0: For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. This morning, we will be meditating on our gospel lessons. You saw the recorded in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. You see our theme up there? How long will you keep Jesus in your sight? Actually, those parts there are meant to test you to see if it's actually the case. Actually, those are not the, the accurate parts, and that's okay. It's okay. Ignore those parts that are up there. But how long will you keep Jesus in your sight? If you recall our gospel lesson for this morning, Luke chapter two, Jesus is already twelve years old, and he was in Jerusalem with his parents. They've made the annual trip, the week-long celebration for the Passover there in Jerusalem. And with any other faithful Jewish person, they are there to celebrate. And so they travel together in a caravan, most likely, of other faithful Jewish people. For Mary and Joseph, it's a 65-mile journey from Nazareth all the way up there to the big city. And when they go there, it's kind of a little nerve-wracking if you come from this small, hardly known place called Nazareth, where nothing good comes from, as they would say. And then you come to the big city, and they're there to celebrate, to remember how God saved his people, taking them out of slavery in Egypt, rescuing them with a mighty hand, and they remember how God promised to set up the throne of David that would last forever. And the one who would be sitting on that throne, all Jewish people understood this and looked for this and waited for this. The one sitting on that throne would be the Messiah, the anointed chosen one to save his people. I sometimes wonder what that must have been like for Mary and Joseph, knowing that every time they talked about this Messiah, They knew it was that kid sitting right next to them. Jesus, their own son. The promised Messiah who would sit on that throne of David and rule God's people forever. And there he is, right there with them. He's not a baby anymore. As we know, he's 12 years old at this point. But the reality is he still needs his parents. Because the big city, Jerusalem, if you've ever been in a big city before, you know how confusing and scary it can be? And it was probably set that way also for Jesus, even though he is God's son. Imagine all the crowds of people swarming around, hustling and bustling to get to their different places. It was just almost chaotic. Think of Mardi Gras, but maybe not exactly the same way. It's still hectic. Mary and Joseph know how special their son is and how important it is to keep him safe. just because it's a religious celebration here doesn't mean it's all filled with good people. And so there is that extra added stress here. But as the week goes on, as they get settled into their practices and their company, they begin to relax a little bit more. But then before they even know it, It's time to go back home. And so, they gathered their things up. One commentator said that it was a custom for these caravans of people, when they made their trips to and from Jerusalem for the Passover, quite often the way they would travel is the women and the little children would go up front. They would be leading the caravan. They would be followed by the group of men. And then there would also be those older children who would choose to go with either the mother or their dads. So it's very likely that when Mary and Joseph took off on this journey with the rest of their caravan, they probably assumed that Jesus was with the other, right? I just want to make it clear that they were not being irresponsible or careless. They were always being cautious. And they had every reason to trust their son. I mean, not only is he the Messiah, the perfect son of God, but he's always demonstrated to be a responsible decision maker, always obedient, always doing the right thing, never disrespectful, never trying to get into trouble. And so why would they worry at this point? Luke tells us, though, that it wasn't until a day later into their journey. Imagine that, traveling 65 miles back to Nazareth, and you get a, day's, a day into your journey, probably 12, 15 miles into the journey. And then they finally realize, hey, have you seen J- Jesus? No, I thought you saw him. What? And they look all over the place. They're talking to their family, and their relatives, and their friends, <laughs> in the caravan, have you seen Jesus? And by the time that next day is over, they decide the only option they have is to go back to Jerusalem and find him. Maybe you know what that's like when you misplace a child. Suddenly that child disappears. Oh, I just saw them. Where did they go? Have you have ever been in a big crowded area like a mall? You know what that sense of, that, that panic, feels like your, your gut churns and it feels like your heart sinks. And the worst possible scenarios start racing through your mind. Panic, terror. And suddenly, when you finally see them, and maybe it's only been a few seconds or a couple minutes, feels like an eternity. But when you see them, you want to reach out. First, you want to hug them and kiss them, and then you want to reach out and do something else to them. <laughs> what were you thinking? Don't ever do that to me again. For Mary and Joseph, it's been three days at least. Can you imagine that misplacing your child for three days? And where do they find him? After looking all around, they see him there, Luke, Luke tells us that they are astonished that there's Jesus standing there in the temple, talking, listening, learning, even teaching these grown men, some of them rabbis, and they're amazed, too, like he's oblivious to the fact that he hasn't seen his parents for the last three days, at least. How would you feel if you were them? Astonished? Would that be the right word for you? Or maybe a little bit ticked off? And Jesus, I know you're perfect but I'm not happy right now. What were you thinking? Jesus only says to them, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So matter of fact, of course I'm going to be here. This is why I came. This is why my father sent me. What Jesus is doing here in the temple, I think quite often we've misunderstood that Jesus was born into this world with a perfect, complete, full understanding of every last thing about the Bible, about the Old Testament at that time. And yet, the scripture tells us that Jesus was growing in wisdom, that means mentally, even psychologically, physically also. But here he is learning, and he's also teaching, and he's discussing things. And he's explaining. And he's able to do this in a way because he has a mind that is unhindered by the effects of sin that affect the rest of us. And so he's able to make connections and put together these scriptural truths in a way that nobody else could. And so Jesus had to be there, learning, listening, teaching, fulfilling God's law for us. For us here, it's been about, what, two days since our Christmas celebration? And maybe things have slowed down a bit for all of you. I'm still waiting for that to come in. As joyous and wonderful as Christmas is, it is nice to get through all the busyness. And I'll admit that. And as much as we love talking and hearing about Jesus' birth, singing Christmas songs and celebrating together, eventually, kind of like Mary and Joseph, we get to a point where we're ready to pack up and head home, to just let things slow down and get back to a routine. But I wonder, how long do we let our Christmas celebration continue on? There are people in our society who leave their Christmas lights up all year round, Ready for the next year. I don't know if that's just because they're so into the Christmas season that they can't stop celebrating because they're just too lazy to take their lights down. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here. I mean, if you leave your Christmas decorations up all year round, that's your choice. What we're talking about here is more of a spiritual sense. To keep that focus on that baby Jesus. How long will you keep Jesus in your sight? even that Christ child. And maybe this week, or already, you've started packing away your Christmas decorations, storing them up until next year. But that good news of Jesus' birth, that lasts all year long, right? So I'm assuming that come July 4th, we'll be sitting around, probably not a fire, but a refrigerator maybe, and you will be discussing with your family and friends a hypostatic union of Christ. You know what I mean? You're talking about the union of Jesus' human nature and his divine nature in that one person. Wait, you don't talk about that? Ever? Oh, never mind. But at least what we do is we think about Jesus' birth and why he was born. Maybe we don't get into all the theological jargon, but we do understand this much. God Himself, the eternal Word, is taken on human flesh. Why did Jesus do this? Why did God send His Son? It was so that He could save us from our sins. And how often do we confess this? That Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, Born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified and he died to pay for our sins. And from that little baby in Bethlehem to a 12-year-old boy teaching, learning, listening in Jerusalem, to a grown man who returns to Jerusalem some twenty years later, bowing his head, bleeding and dying on a cross, Jesus has given his perfect life for you and for me. And that is a truth that we will be celebrating into eternity. The difficulty is though, we're not in eternity yet, are we? We're still here in time. And that means we are not free from the distractions and the effects of sin. And sometimes it's really hard to keep celebrating and to keep our eyes focused on that Christ child and what that means for us. It's hard to maintain that same level of peace and joy throughout our lives. And maybe you can have a laundry list here of reasons why our life isn't always so happy. Or pleasant. Perhaps there are things that you're struggling with right now that you come to church, you put on a smile, and yet in your heart, you know that something's not quite right. And maybe it's just very wrong. How do you keep that peace and joy <coughs> all through the year? Is it even possible? Is that light of God the one born in a manger, shining your heart stuff. Is that even possible to continue shining on? Well, God says it is. And He says the way that we do that is by staying in contact with His Word. And so the question is here that, do you hunger and thirst for that Word of God, the way the boy Jesus did? Eager to be in His Father's house, eager to continue learning things that maybe I think I already know perfectly, and yet I admit, I will never stop learning. And there is always a need for us to be in contact with the Word. Not just to gain a psychological or mental capacity, but from that spiritual standpoint. God promises that His Word strengthens our faith when we are in contact, when we hear, when we read, when we study together or do we struggle to muster up that desire to be here together at times? Because man, how many times have we been here in the last four days? Okay? When is enough enough? My simple nature looks at it that way. This is my time. And what, we're going to take another offering today too? Whose treasures are these? And then the pastor's going to ask me to come and volunteer some more time, taking down some of the decorations because he doesn't want to do it himself? These are my energy and my abilities. To be clear, I know that you don't do this for me. You do this for your Savior. And yet there is that sinful nature in us that battles against us and convinces us at times that These things, your time, your talents, your treasures, all these things are yours. Not even God has the right to ask these things from you. Sometimes our heart is filled with doubt and greed, clutching onto our stuff while leaving our Father's business for someone else to do. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think we have to say the same thing. How greedy... Selfish and doubtful we've been. Not always about our Father's business. And that's frustrating. You look in the mirror and you see how hard you want to do this, and yet you fail to do it. And then we struggle to sense that joy and excitement in our lives because we've got so many other cares and concerns, very real concerns, all around us. And I think of Mary and Joseph. How frustrated, how desperate they must have felt. Wondering, what are we still doing here, Jesus? We're supposed to be on our way home now. And Jesus does not necessarily follow our schedules and our itineraries either. And that's because he's going about his father's. Business. And when that doesn't match up with our will and our business, maybe we also feel like rebuking Jesus for being so inconsiderate of our plans. We're so biz- busy watching ourselves that we stop watching Jesus. We lose sight of Him and what He's done for us and what He's still doing for you. Jesus says, why? Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my Father's house? And for you and me, Jesus has always been in His Father's house, doing His Father's will. And that's why we're celebrating still. Because Jesus came to share our humanity. Because Jesus came to fulfill his Father's will for us and to pay that perfect price for us. In our second lesson today, the writer to the Hebrews said, So that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And that is his Father's will, to free us from the slavery of sin and death and to give us reason to keep on celebrating and rejoicing His birth throughout the years. And so the time to pack up the decorations and move on is probably very close now. But when the Christmas trees and the lights and the songs have all but disappeared, we know that the love of our Savior never disappears. Remain in His love and let your plans and your schedules and your itineraries reflect that understanding of your Father's will for you. And His will is that you find strength and peace in His Word. That you rest in His forgiveness and in His love for you. And that you keep celebrating that salvation that is yours because of that Christ child. Because of the eternal Word Made flesh. He is Christ the Lord. Amen.